Oh, great. Amen. Good morning, everyone. We have reached the halfway point of our theories on our values, where as a church, we've been journeying together, we've been exploring together our new family values, which are the three E's, empowered, be engaged, and to be extravagant. And the aim that over these few weeks that we've been learning what it means to truly live out and experience lives that are not only dependent on, but also demonstrate God's love and God's light. In our relationship with God, it's about exalting his greatness. It's about enjoying his goodness and encountering his glory. In our relationships with each other, it's about walking out our identity in the context of community. And in our relationship with the world, it's about living out our mission to make disciples and advancing God's kingdom. Last week, we looked at what it, mean, what it means to be engaged upwards, you know, being engaged in our relationship with our heavenly God, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our heavenly family. And we were reminded that being engaged upwards meaning, being, means being engaged in wholehearted worship and communion with our God, that we are not spectators. We are all called to live our lives fully for God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's about communioning with him, if that's even a word. It's about being in unity with him, with our heavenly family, in word and in prayer. True worship is a lifestyle. It is not just a Sunday morning thing. And that word engaged, we looked at last week, it means to be fully committed to one another. It means to be built into, to be connected to, to be attached to, in sync with. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at what it means to be engaged in. And as a church, we are a family together. We are to be fully committed to one another. We're to be built into. We are to be attached to and in sync with one another. Because as a church, we are a family like no other. We are diverse in who we are. We're all from different backgrounds, different upbringings, different ages. None of us look the same. None of us dress the same. And yet, in that, we are united in who we are. We are one body. We are one family, all united because our identity is in Christ. We are all blood Bought children of God's most amazing gift, the gift of Jesus. And we have a power and we have authority in recognizing that we are one family being engaged with one another. And so this morning we're going to break this down into two parts. We're going to look at the what and then we're going to look at the how. The what, we're going to look at what our value says on being engaged in. We're going to look at where the scripture comes from or how that value is rooted in scripture. We're going to look at what an engaged church looks like. I'm going to look at some positive examples of us as River Church 
being engaged in with each other. And then we'll look at what prevents us from being engaged with one another. And the how will be how we can become more engaged. So let's take a look at what the church's value says on being engaged in. It says this, We are a diverse family, fully engaged and committed to one another in love and joy. A place where everybody belongs and has a part to play. If you have your Bibles with you, can you open them up to 1 Corinthians 12? So 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 27, says this, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptised into one body, by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not mean, or that does not make it, any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honourable are those that we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honourable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honour and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honoured, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. Now Paul begins this passage, this piece of scripture, likening the body of Christ to the human body. It says the body has many parts, the many parts make up one body, many parts have different roles, and yet the different parts and their roles make one body. He goes on to talk about some are Jews, Gentiles, slaves and free, and yet baptised into one body by one spirit. Again, he's emphasising that we are all different and yet we are all united. In verse 15 and 17, he goes on to talk about the difference from a foot from a hand or an eye from an ear. He says, I don't need you. But there's a real emphasis here in this passage that the different parts of a body are just as significant as each other. And I think that sometimes we can fall guilty to even thinking, perhaps even breeding these certain attitudes that we don't need one another. We can believe that we're less significant, even ourselves, than other people, 
based on our roles within the church. Perhaps we could be in danger of excluding others because we, we think that they're not skilled enough. Or the opposite can happen. We can speak those kind of words over ourselves too. We can look at others and think, well, they're clearly playing a more important role than I am. But that's not the case. We don't need to feel unwanted or not needed or worse, even out on the periphery. Because God says in verse 18, or Paul writes, God has placed each part exactly where he wants it. We are significant. We are not a mistake. Just as the different parts of the body are engaged in with one another, with the rest of the body, God has placed us all here to be engaged in with each other, to be committed to one another, to be built into, attached into, in sync with. The body is not complete without every part. The foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you, because then the body wouldn't be complete. It's the same with church. You know, when you dislocate a part of your body, perhaps your shoulder, your knee, perhaps your foot, or if it's fractured, or if it's broken, you're in an incredible amount of pain, aren't you? It hurts. You're bent over with pain. You'll find that your movement is restricted. You won't be able to move or perhaps do the things that you could before you had broken or fractured that part of your body. But the same is with us. If we have these kind of relationships within church or our friendships, uh, that, or we, 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 we have these kind of thoughts that we're not significant as one another, we can almost dislocate ourselves from one another. We can fracture our relationships. You know, if part of your body is dislocated or broken, you don't think, oh, I cut it off. No. You do whatever it takes to save it. And yet sometimes we can have that kind of approach with our friendships or our relationships. If there's a little bit of pain that exists, or a bit of agony, we argue with one another. We're so quick to just cut people off. Perhaps church may not be advancing as well as it could be because of all these little fractures or dislocations existing. Because don't realize that we're all on mission together. Paul writes in one, uh, later on in 1 Corinthians 12, 22 to 27, says, Some parts of a body that seem the weakest uh, should be shown the greatest care, or we clothe with the greatest care. There's parts of the body that we regard as less honourable that we clothe with the greatest care. Now, there are certain parts of our body that we don't expose. I'm not going to go into what those, kind of, what those parts of the body are. But I want to talk about other parts that we don't expose. Perhaps scars, bruises, cuts or wounds. We all carry various different scars or bruises. Whether that's from our different upbringings, our different backgrounds, past relationships, past hurts. And it's, it's those that we need to clothe with the greatest care. 
And I'm going to talk a little bit about how we do this later on. So what does an engaged in church look like? Well, it's a church that is focused on Christ. It's a church that celebrates together. It's a church that worships together. It's about demonstrating a genuine love with one another. It's being considerate of others' needs. It's about love that is giving. But it's also about responding in love too. It's about being a church or a people that pleases God every day. It's about being a people that are active members of the body, understanding that we are all parts of the same family. It's about being a people that are learning to behave more like Christ every day. It's about being a people that serve each other sacrificially. It's about being a people who share God's love and forgiveness and hope with people who don't know Christ. It's about learning to live as sons of God from the Son of God. And on the slide behind me, we've got some examples of how us as a church have been engaged in with one another. First is the toilet twinning. The youth had a vision of twinning our toilets with those in other countries around the world. We spoke about it, we had a cake sale, and sure enough, God, sure enough, God provided. We raised enough money to be able to twin all the toilets in Highfield Hall with others around the world. And what's great was that it was the exact amount that we needed. It was no less and it was no more. It was just right. In purchasing the church building as well, there was a vision. Church got behind it. Here we are in a building of our own. It's about blessing those in need with meals too. Perhaps new parents or perhaps the sick. The way we serve each other on a Sunday morning and beyond. We are engaged in with one another. In our hospitality, we love entertaining we love eating, I think. In the homelessness, the trips to London, the bringing of food. And now, where are we at? Highfield Hall has now been used as a winter shelter. It's great. There's a vision, and we get behind it. We're engaged with one another. And I think there are areas that we can perhaps improve is prayer. I know that we're looking at introducing prayer lunches. We eat together, again, talking about eating. But we have fellowship with one another, and we pray with one another. And as we heard in our testimonies, God answers our prayers. We serve a miracle God. In volunteering for kids' work, I know uh, there was a recent email, there was a notice given out this morning about needing some volunteers to go and help out next door. I have to be honest, I'm not the first one to go and put my hand up because by the time 10.30 comes, having two kids, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to just give them away. <laughs> Perhaps encouragement for everyone or one another. I think I know that I struggle to, to, um, to give out good encouragement or any kind of encouragement. But we all need it, don't we? 
It's great because it builds us up. What prevents us from being engaged in church? There's a few things. I think a lack of our understanding of what God says about family. Perhaps it's apathy. Perhaps we can become disengaged with each other because we don't realise that we're on a mission together. Perhaps we don't realise that we are to work together. But we'd never admit it. But the truth is that our lives reveal it. Maybe it's a lack of compassion. I think that we can become disengaged with each other because we misunderstand what it means to be a friend of the world. We forget what it was like to live without Christ. So when others are hurting or perhaps facing some difficult situations, we just accept things as the norm, don't we? Because it's accepted out there. Perhaps it's fear. And I think fear is a big one. Because I think that we can become disengaged with each other because we are ashamed of others finding out how we truly are or what we're like. What will others think of me? What if they don't like me or my family? What if I get passed on that promotion? What if my child isn't invited to that friend's birthday party? Perhaps we're afraid of missing out. Maybe it's a fear of making mistakes. Maybe it's a fear of not belonging. Or in fact, belonging in some cases. Maybe it's a fear of being honest or vulnerable with one another. Maybe we're ashamed of our identity. Perhaps, like me, maybe it's your experiences of family that prevent you from being engaged with one another. Perhaps your family was dysfunctional. Did you grow up without a mum or a dad? Perhaps they're divorced. Perhaps you had neither parent. But church, if we want to be serious about becoming more engaged in with one another or doing life together, we must understand that the gospel demands that we die to ourselves. The late great preacher, Billy Graham, says this, The cross of Christ is confrontational, but it is one that we must all confront. It is a question about what we value most. Is it the limitless grace that brought us out of our sin into a life of freedom, that brought us into a life of love, a life of grace? Or is it the fleeting approval of those around us? So with that in mind, how can we become better engaged in with one another? I'd like you to turn to Romans 12, verse 9 to 13. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection. And take delight in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying when God's people are in need. Be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. 
There's some points on the PowerPoint behind me. A few points, just out of those four verses. Really loving others. Holding tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection. Taking delight in honouring each other. Working hard, serving the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoicing in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And always being eager to practice hospitality. It's a huge call, isn't it? But all these points can be summarised in one word. And that is love. Love is what motivates us to become a better engaged in church. Because love changes situations. Love changes circumstances. It brings life to those who need it. Love repairs broken or hurt relationships. It encourages. It encourages us to keep trying when things get tough. Love strengthens us and it energizes us. And I think that love is probably the most powerful force in the universe. Because God is love. And we sung earlier, love brought us out of darkness into his light. Amen to that. You know, really loving others is about looking past outward appearances. It's about accepting one another for who they are. It's about being patient and kind when they've annoyed you or they've peed you off. It's about not being jealous of someone's friendships. It's about not how cho- uh, someone chooses to spend their time. It's about not being jealous about that or their material possessions. It's about not being jealous of someone's giftings from God, about not boasting about your own abilities or keeping a record of when you've been wronged. You know, loving each other with a genuine affection. It means never giving up on them. It means never losing faith in someone. It's about being hopeful and enduring through every circumstance with them, with each other. No matter how short or drawn out their circumstances are. Taking delight in honouring each other. Something that I struggle with. It means celebrating with others when they succeed, despite how you're feeling inside. It's about celebrating with a person who's lost five pounds this week when you haven't. Despite how many takeaways you've indulged on, or the fact that you weren't even trying to lose weight in the first place. Or it's about celebrating with the person who has passed their promotion, even though you have failed by one mark. And despite it being moderated, it then comes back and you find that you failed by two marks. <laughs> Guys, we, we need to remind ourselves of taking delight in honouring each other, that love is what motivates us to be committed to one another, to be locked into, to be in sync with. 
When you're locked together, you can't easily be broken. So let's remind ourselves of what the church's value says on being engaged in. We are a diverse family, fully engaged and committed to one another in love and in joy. A place where everybody belongs and has a part to play. Church, we need to die to ourselves. It's about preferring others. Now I think, and I know where I go wrong, is that it's so easy to bring that self-mentality into church. We can bring that, that individualistic culture in. You know, it's when you arrive on a Sunday and there's a, there's a call for helpers and you think, oh man, I really don't want to because I want to engage in the worship. I want to engage in God's word. Because what? It's all about me. No, it's not all about me. It's all about God. It's about being intentional, about engaging with one another. And Jesus is our perfect role model for engaging in with one another. He's part of a trinity. He's part of that perfect heavenly family, diverse. And then you've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And yes, they are united together. They're engaged in one another. He's diverse. Now he was different from everyone else. Jesus is described as being fully God. And yet he's united with us too because he's called or he's known as fully man. He chose a diverse group of people to be his disciples. He chose fishermen, chose tax collectors. And yet he chose them all. He united them all and taught them how to be fishers of men. He made sure that they belonged and that they had a part to play. Jesus is diverse because of the way he lived his life. He loved everyone. And he made a point to spend time with the unloved, with the tax collectors, with the prostitutes. He loved the difficult and those that society deemed to be below them. To Jesus, no one was too poor. No one was too weak. Everyone was embraced. Being engaged in with each other is the spiritual overflow of us being engaged up. There's a reason why this talk is following last week's. Because Jesus loved his Father with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind, and all his strength. It is in our worship, it's in our communion, it's in our adoration for God, or our love for him, that motivates us to be engaged in with one another, to be committed to one another, be built into or in sync with or locked together. Church, do we love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength and all our mind? That is a big question. But Jesus not only unified, because he's part of the Trinity, so he's unified with God. 
unified through his life, unified through his ultimate sacrifice of death on the cross. He's enabled us to enter in to a lasting unity with our Heavenly Father. But not only that, because when he ascended to heaven, he didn't leave us alone, did he? He didn't say, you're out on your own. No. To help us to be engaged with one another, to help us to love one another, to help us celebrate and embrace diversity of one another. He's given us the gift of his Holy Spirit. There's some questions that are going to appear on the PowerPoint. And they are big questions. They are challenging questions. Think of ways that you show love to others. What is the motivation behind your love? You know, God is calling us to be engaged in with one another. Think of ways that you show love to others. Or how has loving others blessed your life? Who in your life right now needs your love and needs your support? Or in what situations do you need to die to yourself to enable the church and to enable those around you to be engaged in with one another? Is there anyone that you need to make things right with? Are there past hurts and memories that you need to bring before God to enable the church, or sorry, to enable, where am I? Uh, To enable you to be free and to step into who he has called you to be? Church, do you accept your own diversity? If the answer is no, why? Or perhaps, like me, your experience of family, your experience, maybe you've experienced certain memories that have caused you to be disengaged, whether that's culturally, whether that's in your marriage, whether that's how you bring up your kids. Perhaps you're of a different faith to your family. Perhaps you've been rejected from your family because of that faith, and that's caused you to be disengaged. And naturally, you just bring it in. Now, church, if there are bad memories or no memories, it is often difficult to understand the heart behind being engaged in with one another. God is described as a father to the fatherless. He is a loving God. He's a caring God. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's a powerful God. He is a loving God. Psalm 68 verse 6 says that he places the lonely into families. Perhaps that might be what you're going through right now. Perhaps you are feeling cut off out on that periphery. But God has placed the lonely into families. Because the Father's heart is for his children to be victorious. The Father's heart is for us to triumph. It's to to be conquerors in Christ. Church, part of being engaged in with one another is about recognising our power and recognising our authority in Christ and pursuing 
every opportunity that we get to repair relationships or repair friendships. Church, we are on a mission together. As I said earlier, being engaged in is the spiritual overflow of us being engaged up. When we're in true worship with God, and we love God with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength, naturally that overflows into us and then helps us to discover what we're talking about next week, to be engaged out. We're going to have a time of worship. If you feel this morning that perhaps you've you felt a bit disengaged with, with others in the church, perhaps you've not worked out what your role is, perhaps you're carrying things from perhaps past hurts, past memories, I'd like to invite you to seek prayer. Because as we've heard in our testimony, prayer changes things. It says in God's word that perfect love expels all fear, casts out all fear. And God is a God of love. He's a God who wants to see us engaged in with one another. Let's worship.